Well, whoops, it's a podcast. That's right, it's another episode of You'll Never Talk Alone. I'm your friend Joseph Craven here with Alex Nutkicker Level. Alex, how are you tonight? Uh, great, just been kicking people in the nuts. <laughs> that is his new nickname that uh, he apparently is a huge fan of and insists that everyone refers to him as such from here on out for the rest of his life. So there you go, Alex, that one's for you. Yeah, hit us up on Patreon if you want to know the story about why that happened. Joke's on you. We don't have a Patreon. <laughs> Nor do we have a story. Yeah. <laughs> but what we do have is a good Liverpool team and a terrible Liverpool podcast. So why don't we focus on those things? <laughs> Yay. <clears throat> All right. Coming out of the international break, we took the week off from podcasting as well. Always a, I say as well. As if, A, the team decided to, like, take time off. They didn't. Most of them played for their home countries. (laughs) And, B, we say that. I said that as if, like, the team has, like, a podcast that they themselves make, which, as far as I know, is not not true either. So Well, we got called up to the podcast national team as well. We were on international break. However... Yeah, however, our our coach sucks about as hard as the US national team's coach, so. Yeah, he actually you forgot know, there were games. Whatever. Yeah. Actually, I'm not going to lie. I don't know if I really hate him that much. I just think the team is just in such a wreck. I don't know anyone can do anything with it. There's just a whole lot of problems <sighs> going on. There's so much. There's so much. Let's not let's not dwell on that. Let's talk a little bit about Liverpool. A lot of things going right. On Merseyside right now, obviously, you've got 12 points, four straight victories in four games played, top of the table, a nice nine uh, plus nine goal differential as well. Maybe the only thing that we have that seems to be going wrong is that weird Sadio Mane getting frustrated at being sub situation that everyone seemed to blow out of proportion. Uh that's all in the past, but uh, what were your thoughts on that whole situation, Alex? Being someone who I know is a uh, competitive human being, and I say that as a fellow competitive human being who often does dumb things in the in the name of being a little too competitive and losical. You know, what's what's your take on on that weird Sadio Mane whatever deal? Oh well, first of all, I'd like to say I think you cut out a little bit in part of that. I don't think I did. So, all right. Well, you just got to deal with that. Yeah, man. Well, so now we're just having an argument, just like Sadio and Mo did. Uh, so, yeah, exactly. So, and that that is exactly my point. But seriously, no, I I think it was just a heat of the moment. They both want goals. Burnley were there for the taking. It was a really easy chance. Yeah. Um, I totally understand why Mo went for it himself. Uh, I totally understand why yeah. Sadio was upset. It led to some great yeah. Instagram posts from James Milner and just reactions from all over the place. I think they all kind of realized it was heat of the moment. Everybody's cool. And, you I mean, you, you, you do want that from your forwards to want goals and to want to score and to expect right. perfection from each other. And luckily it was when we were 3-0 up, not 0-0 drawing, <laughs> it's sitting mid-table, something like that. So... I think it was just because you would you would like to think that if it was in a more dire situation, 
Mo makes that pass, you know. Yeah, he would he because he's too he's he's way too smart to not make the right play. You know, he just in that moment decided to not make the right play. Right. It was very much we're up. I would like a goal. I want a goal. Here's mm-hmm. me going for goal. And it, it, yeah, so I, I think it's all in the yeah. past now. Everybody's happy. And they're just going to fight to the death. Yep. That's just what's, what's going to have to happen. One of them will not survive <laughs> this upcoming weekend. Uh, no, I, you know, I don't want to... I didn't even... I debated whether I'd even mention it on the podcast, but truth be told, the Burnley match was so business-like and so, like, relatively boring um, outside of the one super random Trent Alexander-Arnold <laughs> highlight. <laughs> That didn't even get credited to him, you know. Poor kid. I know it makes. I, I don't know. I just. How do you not? How do you not just give it to him? Anyway, uh, there's not a whole lot to talk about with Burnley because it was just uneventful, you know. But and I think that's maybe why people blew. And it was so long ago, right? There is also that aspect of it. Uh, it feels. <laughs> it feels like it was last season. Um, but you know, I think that's probably the reason why people made so much ado about it. Um, it's just the fact that like. Liverpool's the the top team in the Premier League right now, and when there's any sort of like hint at drama in a you know title contending team, it generates the headlines, and that's what people really tune in you know for. That's what people want to see. They want to see the drama. They want to see the headlines. So they try to drum something up. When in reality, it's just you know, Sadio saw the right play to make. Uh, Salah didn't make the play and Jurgen kind of just laughed it off because he knew the truth of the situation in the moment. And I think that was the, yeah. the most telling and, and, and right. coolest part of the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, his reaction said it all. He wasn't worried. No. Bobby was making hilarious facial expressions the whole time, especially on Liverpool Instagram story. So really it was just a great day for Liverpool related content. Oh, absolutely. We, we won the match and we won social media immediately afterwards so exactly great day there great day there uh the team is of course you know our has been firing on all cylinders uh and that includes coming out of the international break without like any like major incidents or headlines or anything like that which is always a nice feeling right right so now the questions that we have ahead of us are what do we do going into this stretch, this next upcoming stretch of the season? Um, and a, a question that I know you really badly want to talk about, so I'm going to go ahead and jump into it right now. But why doesn't Jeannie Wijnaldum score goals for Liverpool? <laughs> <laughs> he clearly is so good for the national team. Is it just like because it's not it's not necessary and he's just not that type of player? Yeah, he... He's gone on record, and this is me lying completely, <laughs> uh, saying that <laughs> this podcast is going great. That he, yeah, <laughs> that he just refuses to score goals for club unless he absolutely has to, and we don't put him in positions where he has to, so he just doesn't do it. And that's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. I respect that, but my my real answer is that he's asked to play a completely different mm-hmm. role for the dang old Dutchers. Uh, and he has kind of two people that tend to sit deeper and one who sits deep and drives forward, and he's more of the attacking mid joining in the in the front three going at it. 
Uh, whereas for us, he's very much the bridge between Fabinho and the front three and kind of Henderson in a mm-hmm. little bit, in a, little, in a way, because Henderson definitely gets forward more uh, to fill in that side with Trent. So I, I think it just comes down to different responsibilities and different roles within the team. I mean, we'd love to see him score as much as possible for us uh, and maybe against some of these park the bus kind of teams, we will see Genie unleashed a little bit more. Uh, but really it's just, he, he's, a, he's playing such a different role for the two teams that it's hard to compare the two almost. Yeah, it really is. It's a different role. It's a different uh, situation entirely because he's not playing behind that, that, you know, threesome of uh, Mane, Salah and Bobby. So, you know, there is that aspect of, like, he does need to look for more opportunities for himself um, in order for the benefit of the team. It's just, I think it's reassuring to see him step into what he does for the Dutch national team um, and be so good for them because it shows you that when he does need to rise up, say, for example, against Barcelona in last year's second leg of the Champions League, you know, matchup against them, um, he absolutely can. He has that flexibility and that ability to do it. But I think it says a lot about him that he knows how to play the role in the system that he needs to play. And for Liverpool, right. that is not, um, you know, uh, uh, it's not being the attacking, you know, central attacking piece um, that maybe he needs to be in other situations. And he knows that and he plays it well. And I just really like that he is uh, he's smart enough for that. Um, he's a, he's right. a smart player and that's a pretty classic. I feel like Dutch footballer thing as well, which yeah. you're a huge fan of the Dutch system. So I know you got a lot to say about that part. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, yeah. He's just, he's a really well-rounded player and he, it, it, sometimes it can seem like he's good at a lot of things, but not great at a lot of things. But when you see him, focus on certain aspects of the position that he's asked to play. He is tremendously skilled and really good at what he does. So I, I feel there are times when he is very frustrating, but he is definitely such a vital cog in what we're trying to do. And I, I think it was last summer where there were a lot of rumors that he could even be sold, but that, that whole concept just seems ludicrous at this point. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Is there any other player on the lineup or in the in the roster that you could think of that has that sort of, uh, I don't know, that sort of uh, acumen in terms of like the ability to step it up or or not? I mean, obviously, defensive midfielder Adam Lallana comes to mind. But uh, <laughs> I mean, can you think of anyone else that could do that in that sort of way? Uh, you sort of saw it with Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain pre-injury where he would play on the wing, he would play in the attacking mid-roll, he would play kind of more box-to-box. He gave us that versatility uh, and gave us that goal-scoring threat even more so than Genie. And we'll, it'll be nice to see him get back to that. And, and there's a little bit of yeah. that with Shakiri, although he's not playing as much. It seems like he's been struggling with injury a bit. Uh, we know the yeah, one that he had guy. over the summer, but... He he is he's versatile as well. I mean, he can he's played striker, not necessarily for us, but he he can play that. He can play second striker. He can play on the wing. He can play as a creative midfielder. So we we have a lot of players that can fill a lot of roles, and I think that's what Klopp looks for. And I mean, you can't overlook James Milner, who I think has played every sure. position except for goalkeeper. And you know he would if he was asked, right? 
the world's smallest goalkeeper. <laughs> um, I think it's so interesting because so many times in the past, uh, really versatile players have not really shined or been given the chance to shine um, mm-hmm. in the in Klopp system necessarily. Like you think about Joe Allen and Emre Chan in particular, uh, two guys that were more versatile players and what they could do um, on the pitch that, you know, were not necessary for what, for the system itself. So the versatility like in and of itself doesn't necessarily translate to usefulness for Jurgen mm-hmm. Klopp. So it's pretty interesting to see the players that it does work out for. And Jeannie Wijnaldum seems to be the prime example of that, which I know is one of the main reasons why you were so thrilled when the signing was announced a few years back and bought his jersey instantly. Yeah, the the minute of. I, th- I think I even wore it before he did uh, because they, they wore that kit later that evening <laughs> when we went and saw him play in St. Louis. Uh, but yeah, and his is... Uh, of, in terms of yeah. versatility, his is really intriguing because most of the time, like in the instance we're talking about, it's the same position. It's but it's center mid. It's it's a it's an eight in a midfield three. Right. And it's yeah, he's not he's not stepping ways. back. He's not stepping back into like the defensive you know center back position or something like he did against Brighton that one time. Oh yeah, which, that's true. Uh, he can do. I, there's that graphic that's done the rounds a few times that showed every position that he's played across his club career. And it is every position except for a goalkeeper. Wow. That's, that's really crazy. I think I interrupted you. I was going to let you finish. No, no, that was it. But that, that, that was the end of the thought. Okay. My bad. And if, if that was Jamie, he would have had more on. Thought. Probably so. Well, in that case, then, I mean, we, this is one of those situations in which, it, we're in a great place as a club and as a, a podcast because we're not trying to like debate uh, what center backs we have that are useless or something like that. You yeah. know, like we don't have the same debates that we always used to have. We maybe don't still have a clear timeline on like Allison's return or something like that. Um, but Navi's at the same time, or Navi's return, you know, we don't have as much injury updates, but we also don't have as much like worry and pressing need and drama surrounding all of that, which again is probably one of the reasons why the whole uh, Sadio Mane getting frustrated on the sidelines situation got the headlines it did is because it's really the only drama surrounding the club. It's a really good place to be, you know, we're in, we're in great territory, great territory. Uh, And along with that, we're starting up, um, the point in the uh, the season in which we have to start up our, our Champions League games. Um, we'll have those coming up in just, uh, I mean, just basically about a week, huh? Yeah. I just, I saw the date. I just realized, my goodness, <laughs> it's five days away from the, the evening that we're recording, um, which is wild. But uh, pretty favorable draw in the group uh, draw, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely, yeah. It, it could have been so much worse and... I, we're definitely favorites to win the group at this point. Uh, we have this stretch here that involves, um, in the month of September, three league matches, one Champions League match, and one Carabao Cup match against Milton Keynes Dons, one of the most English names I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> um, this stretch here, Newcastle, 
Napoli, Chelsea, MK Dons, and Sheffield. Um, I mean, your overall impressions of this stretch in the month of September, now that we're looking at it right here? I mean, this week is going to be tough. You know, Newcastle is going to set up to be uh, – they're going to try to be defensively solid. They don't have Rafa anymore, so they might not pull that off as successfully. But, I mean, Napoli and Chelsea back-to-back, even with how Chelsea are doing this season, and even with the fact that Carlo Ancelotti is really mad that Napoli doesn't have a home locker room right now, it's still not – Oh, my gosh, yes. That is one of the weirdest stories. (laughs) I think you sent me that headline earlier today. That's so bizarre. Yeah, I – I mean, credit to Napoli. They finally realized that their stadium needed some renovations, but maybe during the Champions League beginning and during the season as it starts, you should probably have tried to finish that sooner. <laughs> so, it, it's a little, little oversight, little oversight. Yeah. So, it, it's going to be interesting. They're a very solid team, and having that game and the travel and then traveling to London to play Chelsea can be tough, but we have the squad strong enough to handle that, uh, especially the first 11. I mean, we, we've seen that could potentially see some rotation midweek and maybe even against Newcastle after some people had international breaks where they played both games and had long travel. So, yeah, I, I think we are equipped to handle it. And above all else, the team knows they can handle it no matter who they're playing. Is the Newcastle match the only one that's at Anfield? Um, yeah, actually, uh, it, all those other ones are away. So we Man. are racking up those rewards miles. We are. Everyone gets your Delta miles <laughs> ready. Or I don't know actually what the team would use. Clearly not Delta. Um, that was a dumb, dumb joke to make. Uh, it's, uh, wow. Yeah. That's a tough stretch in and of itself just because of the travel. I mean, you just mentioned it. You, you got, you're at home. You fly out to Napoli real quick. You have to fly back to London. You have to, you know, play at MK Dons at Sheffield. You know, it's that. Yeah, that's a uh, that's that's rough in and of itself. Um, the opponents themselves maybe not the most intimidating outside of of Napoli. Um, obviously, Sheffield has been an electric offense. Um. Uh, and has tried to continue some of that in the Premier League, sometimes quasi-successfully, you know, about as a good an offense as a newly promoted club really can be, yeah. probably. Yeah. Um, but still struggling. But, uh, I, I mean, is Napoli the toughest matchup that you can see there, uh, knowing the, the issues that Chelsea's ha- been having so far this year and the ups and downs? Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you do you feel like that's the most difficult matchup? Absolutely. I, last year it was one of our worst performances of the season away at Napoli. Uh, they're versatile. They're flexible. They've got a lot of good players. They've been adding a lot of quality. I mean, they were amazingly close to earning a point against Juventus at Juventus from three nil down. So that that cannot be overlooked. Uh, and they're they're just a solid outfit, more put together, I'd say, than. Uh, some of the other teams were playing, although I mean, Sheffield United is super unified, but they're they're not they don't have the quality that Napoli has. So yeah, definitely the one yeah. to watch. And I mean, the only other ones that I would say could potentially be tougher for us are kind of Newcastle and kind of Sheffield United because we're we're pr- historically in the past few years not very good at that early kickoff slot. 
and we have that early kickoff slot mm-hmm. against both of those teams. So if we're expecting us to not be firing on all cylinders, that would be the reason why. Again, I, above all else, the Napoli game is the one to watch for uh, us struggling the most. Oh, man. It's just the more I look at it, the the more I dislike the amount of travel that happens Yeah, in, in September. I hadn't given it much thought until now, but uh, I mean, we don't, we kind of make up for it um, in October a little bit, but we still have, you know, uh, at Man United, at Racing Gink. How do you pronounce that? Uh, I, I'm, I don't, I, I'm not entirely sure because I, I haven't heard the, like the, the Belgian commentary on it. It's, it kind of seems like it should be like <laughs> Hank with a very nasally right. snort on the GE. But yeah, not only are we not Belgian, we're not even European, so we can say gank. No. Dang yep. old gank. Old, dang old racing <laughs> gank. Uh, I was working on my, on, my, uh, on my Chevelle earlier today, and I, I broke the dang old <laughs> racing gank on it. It definitely sounds like something you'd get at AutoZone. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is the worst <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh man. Uh yeah, it's it's a I don't know, this is a strange I mean our next several matches in general are just it's a strange lineup of teams, man. Napoli at Chelsea at NK Dons at Sheffield. But then like you got Salzburg at Anfield, you got Leicester at Anfield. Those two matches I mentioned earlier at United, at Racing Gank. You know, Tottenham to end things at home. I mean that's a weird – that could be a very tiring stretch, I think is really what I'm – like the, the word I'm, I'm looking for there is I really feel like that could be a stretch that produces a lot of fatigue if we're not careful. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. That'll be interesting to, to, to see how that all pans out. Yeah, I feel out. like there's um, a lot of people like ready and waiting with the – this is what happens when you don't sign any first-team players in the summer – Articles ready to go right, when right. someone pulls up hurt or we start looking tired. Uh, and it's a legitimate possibility with how much travel we have. And it, so yeah. it, it'll be exciting to see us play some of these teams. I mean, I know our, our Champions League group is pretty exotic, if you want to call it. It's kind of got the some really interesting teams in terms of tactics and in terms of players and ones to watch, um, which we go into a little bit more on our ynta.podbean.com lunch break Champions League preview, which was the thoughts we could put down over the course of two lunch breaks. Man, that was a great plug. Look at you go. Look at you go. Plug in the the written material that people don't know that we put out there. But we do, man. We do. Go to our website. It's our it's it's a course on our uh, our podcast host Podbean. So shout out to Podbean for being uh, the best podcast host we could ever have asked for. Um, but uh, yeah, go check out the written material we got there for a little bit of uh, looks at those uh, those Champions League matchups. Um, yeah, we'll get into more detail, of course, with the Napoli match when it comes time to talk in more detail about Napoli, um, which, of course, <laughs> is within which five is days. Uh, so yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll try to put out a... Uh, um, We'll try to put out a, a Saturday match review 
Uh, um, actually, Napoli matches on Tuesday, but we'll try to put out a, a match review and uh, and Napoli preview episode over the weekend. Um, but we'll get to that later on. Let's look at Newcastle. Let's look at who they are so far on the season. As you mentioned earlier, no Rafa anymore. Get him out of here. Who needs him? Uh, what did he yeah. ever do for Newcastle? <laughs> Uh, what is wrong with him? Anyway, um, so you've got a uh, a different a different look this year, uh, kind of different with Newcastle in terms of you know you got manager changes, all that sort of stuff. Um, you've got a team that has uh, recently done uh, pretty okayly <laughs> yeah. uh, to start the season off. I mean, just okay. It was a uh, you know, a draw against Watford. Um, they had a uh, a loss in the Carabao Cup on penalty kicks um, to Leicester. They beat Tottenham. And then they followed that up by losing 3-1 to Norwich, Norwich and 1-0 to Arsenal. Um, all of those in the, the Premier League itself. So, I mean, what do we what do we do with Newcastle so far, Alex? Uh, it's hard to kind of. I mean, the, the Tottenham match is definitely the anomaly. Uh, Spurs were not great that day, and Newcastle very much took their best chance. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the other matches seem more indicative of their level, which is not that great. They're they're not really. I mean, they've got kind of a exciting front three, although they did lose one of their big signings. Uh, to injury temporarily. I don't know if he'll be back for this match, but I mean, they've got Joelinton or Joelinton, I think is how everyone has decided to pronounce it now. And he, he's a Bobby Light almost in terms of work rate and the positions he likes to take up. Uh, but he does get goals. Uh, and then they've got MLS fan favorite Miguel Almoron, who isn't really like shining on the, the stat sheet, but he is a big part of their attack. So. I mean, that will be something to watch out for, although we have Virgil and Matip back there, so not really too worried about that. Uh, and I, I, they're just – it's hard to say anything other than they're just not very good, and they're now the laughing stock of the Premier League, even mm-hmm. though they did beat Spurs. I mean, and no one is really taking them seriously. Uh, I think we will take them seriously. We will go out there and take care of business, especially at home, but – I, it's hard to be it, – they don't seem like the bogey team they have been over the past few seasons, even if we have beaten them. So it gives you a, a little more hope going into the weekend that this will be another business as usual. Let's uh, get ready for uh, – let's not screw up and let's get ready for Napoli. Right, and I, I mean, I, this is a, a surefire way to right. ensure that goals don't happen, but I think this will be a good match for us to – had the goal difference a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. This, if there's ever an opportunity to do so, it would have to be right now, right? Right. So, um, interesting matchup there. Uh, you Do you expect any major changes on the Liverpool side of things going into this uh, game against Newcastle? Not really. I mean, this could potentially be a match where we see uh, – Divac Origi start over maybe Bobby Firmino, who traveled with the Brazil squad, which is 
point very far away to play their games. Uh, and uh, maybe, I don't know, I, you kind of, I kind of expect the midfield of Fabinho, even though he traveled as well, and Genie and Henderson, just because that, that seems to be the favorite three. Mm-hmm. Although you never know, you could see Ox. But I, I don't ex- kind of don't expect too much rotation at this point. We don't necessarily even do that much rotation these days, it feels right. like. Um, maybe this is a chance to do a little bit of it. Uh, at, at the very least, maybe a chance to get more more ox in our lives um, and get more play time for him um, now that he is, you know, returned and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I could, I could see this being a pretty run-of-the-mill, maybe we give... I, I don't know. I feel like we don't necessarily give Bobby the the rest to start. I think he, he does start, but we're fast to sub him off in favor of Divock Origi um, and save him for Napoli. But I just think that at this point in time, uh, Klopp knows it and, and everyone else kind of feels it that, you know, we can't, we got to take three points every single match in the league. Right. And sometimes that means maybe sacrificing a stronger start in the Champions League in favor of going hard against the smaller teams and not dropping anything we shouldn't drop. Um, So I don't know. I'm curious about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I I agree with kind of the subbing early, if possible. Like that could very well happen with Fabinho as well, just because you look at the stats last year and the record without him and European away performances were at least in the group stages, were a, a bit of a sticking point for us, and we, we seems like we definitely need him for an away trip to Napoli with their industrious and skillful midfield. So, yeah, if he starts, could see him going off 60th minute or so. Same with Bobby. Um, if he starts, big if. Big if. Okay, not really big <laughs> if. I was, try- I was trying to stir up some drama here. So, uh. As far as Newcastle goes, um, do we need to talk about their kits a little bit this year? I, I mean, I think we might. I think we're going to have to do that. For kits and giggles, let's take a look at the 2019-2020 Newcastle kit. Um, obviously, Newcastle themselves, a fairly iconic, uh, you know, black and white stripe sort of kit. Um, maybe a little bit of color variation sometimes um, on, on some of the, the, the kids that you'd see. They also got the big Puma logo just right there, right underneath their, their collars, which is pretty sweet. It's kind of a weird spot for it. It is a very weird spot. I've never seen a, a, a sponsor. Maybe Puma just really badly wanted the white Puma, so they had to put it in the, the middle black stripe. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's I exactly sure. why. Uh, oh no i actually heard about this so they put it in the black stripe every time because sunderland's nickname is the black cats and if they put the puma cat on the white stripe it would have to be a black cat and they don't want to give sunderland that satisfaction that's actually awesome yeah that is so cool yeah because if you go to the away kit or the third kit the puma is off to the side but because they can put it more where like uh, sponsors and or uh, put it where that's supposed to, where it normally goes, but that's really cool. I res- you know what respect to you for that one, Puma and Newcastle for doing that. But 
Newcastle iconic with their home kits. What about their away and third kits this season? How are you feeling about those? The away kit is pretty plain. Uh, and if you look at it on TV, uh, it, it probably just looks like a blue T-shirt. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know if you will feel the same way. I kind of like their third kit, the, the orange random patterns shirt. I, I, there's something about it that just I, I'm really liking it. Maybe it's the navy collar and the navy logo, but I don't know. It, 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 it's meh plus kit, I would say. I mean, you know what you're getting with with the Foot Locker kit, the away kit, pretty just looks like a training top. And the orange ones, there's something about it, but it's not lit. Right. I mean, yeah, I don't hate it. The only thing that I dislike about the the third kits, the orange kits, is that I don't really like the color orange that much. And so, like, that's just personal preference. I don't care much for the color. So because of that, I look at the kit, and I'm like, well, it's not my favorite. But the design, I'm a fan of. Yeah, I'm a fan of the design. The uh, looks like airplanes without wings on them. It's kind of yeah, the, I, that's kind of what it looks like. I mean, torpedoes maybe some sort of submarine theme they're going with i don't know <laughs> or like someone drove on it and there's just tire marks they just kept backing up going forward yeah. backing up going forward but yeah all in all uh i think the home kit is lit um because it's just iconic and you know unlike juventus they know to hold on to iconic black and white striped Home kits. Ooh, shots fired. Oh, yeah. Direct, direct fire at them. Um, I like the design of the third kit. The color scheme is just not my favorite, so there's that. But it's fine. But I, I do agree with you that that away kit is... Uh, it kind of looks a little bit like a training kit, you know? It yeah. It kind of looks like something you'd be wearing on the training ground, not necessarily something you'd actually wear in a match. But it's not bad. None of it's bad. All of it is just kind of like, nah, okay. Yeah. Aside from that home kit, which is the littest home kit that you can get. That's my opinion, at least. I don't know. Maybe you're not as big a fan of the the, the black and white stripes as I am. Um, I, I, I do like them, or liked them, on the Juventus kit. I liked how they mixed it up. And I'm not usually, I don't know, yeah, it just didn't, I don't know. Okay. I don't like referees. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. They do look very American referee. So uh, that's fair. I understand that concern. I do like the thicker stripes. When they yeah. when you get the really narrow ones, I don't know, just like uh, Milan's kit this year is very narrow, stripey, and it just doesn't do it for me at all. It kind of makes me dizzy. Yeah, it, it looks – it doesn't look – the colors at that point, when you're so far away, especially they it just they blend together, and it just doesn't look good. And right. I know Milan's is based on their like older kits, but times have changed. Move on. You got Fabio Barini in midfield. You gotta yeah. you gotta get over it. <laughs> you got the legend Fabio Barini. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, I think we have rambled sufficiently about Newcastle's kits. That's is that one of the longest of the for kits and giggles that we've done? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think usually the first impression ends up ever just there's no real explanation for why people feel that way. Yeah, I guess we also have really done it when we have like three or four people on the episode. 
So because it's yeah. the two of us, we feel like we have more liberty to ramble when we probably should not. So let's go ahead and uh, and and speak back on the issue of the match itself. Uh, let's get a little scoreline prediction going on this one, Alex. Uh, Newcastle last home match for a little while. Um, do you think the that Liverpool comes out swinging and uh, gets a good victory? I don't think we come out swinging. I think we will be pretty sluggish after the international break at the early kickoff. Uh, and it might even be nil-nil or one-nil us going into halftime. But in the second half, it really starts to come together. We put four past them back to back to back to back. We win this match five nil. Woo. My goodness. What a nice scoreline prediction. Um, say what you will about Newcastle and you have, <laughs> um, they haven't necessarily been a, a squad that has given up too many goals. Now granted, maybe not the best, you know, levels of competition, uh, so far, in a lot of the the teams that they've played. Um, but I mean, they haven't necessarily gone up against some of the scrubs of the premier league um, in their, in their, you know, season so far, but no one's really scoring too many goals against them. And uh, I could see that continuing to an extent. And this being a smaller scoreline, say like a two nil in favor of Liverpool. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with a little bit more, um, because I think that Liverpool comes out uh, understanding the situation they're in. Uh, just got back from the um, international break. Got Champions League right around the corner. Uh, let's go out. Let's kind of Burnley match 2.0 on this one. Um, and just like don't do anything to screw it up and play a pretty business-like uh, 2-0 victory. That's what I'm thinking, at least. I'd be all for that. Yep. Yeah, this is. I think we get done with this one, and we have the uh, the understanding of, uh, or like the the reaction of, no real complaints. Yeah, that seem that would be nice. We'll uh, we'll actually see if that's how it turns out because, as we know, I am terrible at predicting things. <laughs> if it doesn't turn out like we said, both ways, if both predictions are not correct, we'll change teams. It's true. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll just we'll shut the podcast down. We will. We'll close this whole thing down. Alex, any closing thoughts as we uh, get ready to have to shut down our podcast because of a dumb claim I just made? I mean, I, I can't wait to wake up hella early on Saturday. <sighs> dreading it already. <laughs> just dreading it already. All right, that will do it for us here in the uh, YNTA studios um, as we, we pack it up and get ready for, we have to go to bed right now on Thursday night in order to wake up in time for the match <laughs> on sa- Saturday morning. <laughs> so uh, here we go. Uh, let's get ready to cheer on our boys as they take on Newcastle. Um, but not too loud because it's going to be really early. Yeah. Don't wake your neighbors. Um, but as always, uh, go Liverpool, go, go Liverpool. That's our, our classic saying that everyone has always quoted when cheering for Liverpool. I am your friend, Joseph Craven, and that is Alex Nutkicker level. (laughs) Oh, and as always, you will never talk alone here on you'll never talk alone.
You know what? Actually, I should have said you'll never walk alone here on You'll Never Talk Alone. That would have made more sense. But I, you know what? Whatever. Podcast is over now. Sign us out, Andrew. <laughs>